Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell my listeners that the final episode of Man in the Arena, Tom Brady, is here exclusively on ESPN+, Plus, which means all episodes are now streaming 22 seasons and 10 Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady like you've never heard him before, featuring Tom Brady's three sisters, Giselle Bundchen, Tom Brady Sr., Rob Gronkowski, Michael Strahan, and more. All episodes now streaming on ESPN+, Plus, presented by Under Armour. All right, welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast, the post-2022 NFL Draft podcast that will feature ESPN Draft experts Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay as they discuss some of the winners from the 2022 draft and some of the losers. And of course, there was plenty of action this past week with some teams making some notable moves. And as Todd and Mel will allude to, nobody got more applause and the New York Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Think about the Philadelphia Eagles who traded up in the first round to get Jordan Davis, then traded a first-round pick in this year's draft to go get A.J. Brown, add Jordan Davis, add A.J. Brown, and still manage to hold on to two first-round picks in the ever-important 2023 draft that is expected to be loaded, loaded, with quarterback talent, as we will document with both Mel and Todd in discussing how many good quarterbacks could be in next year's draft compared to the lack of quarterbacks picked high in this year's draft. This year's draft was about linemen, offensive linemen going high, defensive linemen going high. And one of the defensive linemen picks that interested me going high was none other than Kayvon Thibodeau, New York Giants. Fifth overall pick. Now, what was interesting to me was in the build up to the draft, one of the stories and one of the things that came about was that Kayvon Thibodeau visited the Giants and went to dinner with the coaching staff and some front office members on the same night that Aiden Hutchinson was there. And they went to dinner, as it was explained to me, and the Giants defensive line coach, assistant defensive line coach, Brian Cox, began peppering questions of Aiden Hutchinson and how much he liked football and what his goals were. And then he began peppering questions at Kayvon Thibodeau. Cox asked him some rather personal questions. He asked him about his family. He asked him about his father and his father's history. He asked Kayvon about the friendships he did and didn't have. And Kayvon did not like the line of questioning, nor appreciate it. And so he took a moment to go to the bathroom to compose himself because he was so bothered and upset by some of the questions that were asked of him and also not asked of Aiden Hutchinson at that time. Now he came back to the table and the Giants held a long Zoom call a couple of Saturdays later in which they got more information, more answers from Kayvon Thibodeau. And clearly the organization liked what it heard enough and liked what it saw enough to go and use their first overall pick on Kayvon Thibodeau. And Thibodeau had to return to the Giants building after he got drafted. And I'm told that one of the first people he encountered was, in fact, Brian Cox. And the two men visited, talked it out, and they're good. Moving forward together, not an issue anymore. But there were some people around the league who thought going into the draft that it could be an issue. That it could prevent the Giants from drafting Kayvon Thibodeau. And in fact, the Giants had done a ton of work 
on Thibodeau before the draft as well, which they had talked about at the Combine, as did Kayvon Thibodeau himself. Here's what Thibodeau said at the Combine after he spoke with the Giants. Quote, we had a great interview. They were kind of on me. You know, they were giving me a hard time. But I feel like it was like that big brother moment when they give you a hard time because they really are interested in you and they like you. I let them know I've been in the media since I was a sophomore in high school. So I've been trained for this my whole life. And I know most of it's entertainment, right? So I'm not really worried because whatever happens between the four walls of the team and the organization is what's going to dictate the future. And if I have five bad games, we're going to focus on that next week on how we're going to dominate the team that's next. But they grilled him at the combine and then grilled him again at the dinner in a more personal fashion, or so it seemed. And Brian Cox, who's known to upset some people, upset Kayvon Thibodeau at that dinner. But again, as it was described to me, the two talked this past weekend, and it is quote unquote behind them. So there we go. Kayvon Thibodeau, Brian Cox, moving on together with one goal in mind. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you again. Try Jet Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. All right, as for the rest of this week's podcast, now let's go take a deep dive into some of the winners, the losers, and the upcoming pending great quarterback draft class of 2023 with two men who know it better than anybody. All right, joining us now, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, coming off the draft. And this was a different experience for all of us. I wasn't there. Mel wasn't there. Todd was there with his pre-draft haircut, looking dapper and handsome, as always. (laughs) But I want to know, Mel, what it was like for you to do the draft from your home in Baltimore area, rather than being in Las Vegas at the desk with all of your ESPN colleagues. Well, it would have been great to be there. Uh, you know, Todd looked like he had a, a great time. Now, I was in air conditioning, not 90-degree heat or whatever it was, but uh, it was 93. 93? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little different than from that standpoint, but it was actually, thanks to Brian Ryder and, and Rob Adamski, it was 
it wasn't seamless, you know, because you're a little bit of a delay, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it, it, you do the best you can. But I thought it was a fun. We had a record number of trades on day one, starting at pick 11, as you guys know. Um, it was fun. Day three is always fun with Todd and Lewis and, and Reese and the guys. So we had fun. I thought day three flew by. I don't know, I, obviously, here in my <laughs> I had a home field advantage for day three, which was nice, right, Todd? Yeah, let's add that home field advantage on day three. But for me, day three was was easy. Uh, you know, it, it was fun. And uh, actually, I had – you love this, guys. I had uh, – and Todd already knows it. I had uh, two Calvert Hall Cardinals drafted on day three. Yeah. Uh, Christian Benford, cornerback out of Villanova, was two years at Calvert Hall. Then he went to Ramblestown High to finish out. And, and uh, Chance Campbell, outstanding linebacker uh, with Ole Miss, really was the key guy – to the turnaround at Old Miss defense was a sixth round pick to the Tennessee Titans. So really proud of, of Christian and, and Chance, uh, you know, proud of everybody at Calvert Hall, proud of what they accomplished. And then, of course, my Baltimore Ravens had the best draft. They and the New York Jets, Todd, Todd, Todd's team, and my team, we both had the best drafts. Well, I didn't realize that the Jets were Todd's team. I never realized that. Well, just because Joe Douglas, I obviously played in college with them, so I'm, I'm proud of them. I called them yesterday, told them, you know, it's, it's really cool to see He's been doing this for so long. He started off as an area scout with the Ravens. And, but I've known him since we were, you know, I was 18 years old. He was just a big offensive lineman driving us around from practice, from, you know, the locker room to the practice field. And in his big old beat up Cutlass Sierra, I think it was, one of those big wide cars, <laughs> stuffing offensive linemen with their pads and do it every day to go to practice. So I've known Joe forever. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I'm happy for him and I'm proud of him. You know, it, it took a lot to obviously just to get in the get in that seat, get the job as a general manager. But then to make the trades, like to pick up extra draft capital with Jamal Adams and Sam Bradford and, and, and to go through the struggles they went through last year with the first year starting quarterback and the ups and downs to see him. You got to get the picks, but then you've got to execute the picks and to come away with the best cornerback in the class, in my opinion, Sauce Gardner, who was the second corner off the board. They drafted Sauce at four. The best wide receiver in the class. I knew it was the number one corner and number one receiver on his boards as well. Get him a 10 as the second receiver taken because Drake London won a couple picks earlier. So you got to, as he said, some of it's just luck. Who, you know, who gets drafted in front of you? And then to have a player, they I talked to Joe afterwards, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but they they went into it with the eight players they want, and then they were debating between, you know, if if all those guys were off the board when they got to 10. Who would be nine? And it was a debate between uh, Jermaine Johnson and I, I forget the other player um, that they were talking. Oh, um, J- Jamison Williams. Those were the two players that they were looking at. At, at um, you know, who was going to be the ninth player on their board? He said probably the biggest discussions they had were trying to knock, knock down that ninth player. So all of a sudden, you know, they don't pick again until thirty-five and thirty-eight in the second round, and they see Jermaine Johnson falling. They got all this draft capital. And at one point, they're like, all right, let's get on the phone. Let's figure out where we can get up and, and go get this guy. And he said, I think a lot of it is because teams get concerned when a player like that starts to fall. Is there information we don't have? Right. The rest What's of the league has? And he's like, I know like, we did our due diligence. I know Jermaine kind of rubs some teams the wrong way, but there's no medical. There's no character issues here. He is who he is on tape. And we have him as the, the ninth best player in the draft. And we're getting him at 26. So it's worth it to give up a pick to go to go up and get that guy. So to get three first rounders, three guys that I had first round grades. I was told today, Kevin Nagandi had a podcast earlier. It's the first time since I've been at ESPN, uh, 16 years now, 
First time a team has gotten three players with a 90-plus grade in, in a draft. Where was Brees Hall in there? Brees Hall, for them, was, I want to say, 19 or 20 on their board. Definitely the first running back, and that's why they were, they were thrilled. They were actually considering moving up to go get him when he started to fall a little bit. It wasn't a big fall, um, but, but they, were, they, were, they tried to move up a little bit. There were no suitors. And then they just said, all right, we'll see. We'll see if he falls into our lap. And they did. You know, the funny thing is I spoke to Joe last week at one point and I said to him, hey, at the end of a conversation, my dad is a big Jets fan. My dad asked if you could pick Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson. <laughs> and, he, and he left. You know, we're having a laugh about it together because I would never want any team to take the players that my father endorsed. He'd have right. 100% wrong 100% of the time. And so Joe and I laughed about that. And of course, those players wound up and then some yes. the New York Jets and, and they and they just crushed the draft. Mel, we brought up other winners. You brought up the Baltimore Ravens. Todd brings up the Jets. Why were the Ravens big winners in your mind, Mel? Well, I think certainly to get a Kyle Hamilton where they did, I think if Jordan Davis would have been there, it might have been a discussion. Todd and I both mocked Jordan Davis to the Ravens, but who would have thought? And I had Kyle Hamilton going 13 to Houston. So you thought he could drop the 13. I don't know if the Ravens felt like John Harbaugh even said, we brought him on day three, and he said they had Kyle Hamilton in for a visit. He said, why are you here? Why are you, why are you here? You know, we're not going to get you. And, and here he is coming back. So it was, it was fun to see that. You get a guy like Kyle Hamilton. Todd even said at one point, when I, I've heard you say this, Todd. I don't know if you, it finished that way, but you said he was the best player on your board at one point. So, you know, to get that guy at 14, not to worry about even trading up. And then Tyler Linderbaum, after they traded Hollywood Brown, so it's basically Linderbaum for Brown. I'll take that. Uh, an anchor of that offensive line, uh, you know, to, for 10 to 12 years. Marshall Yonda, Iowa offensive lineman, went in the, like, the third round. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So yep. I love Linderbaum. And then David Ojabo, we had talked about him one day, too. Where would he go? I thought he might be a late one. And he got him one in the second round. Reunited with Mike McDonald, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, and all those connections. And then he could be opposite Owe, who went to high school, Blair Academy. So there's a, a lot of great things with the first three picks. Travis Jones, Todd had a high grade in one. I did as well. Connecticut defensive tackle. I was shocked he was there in the third. Follow yeah, I had an early second-round grade on Travis Jones. Yeah, I mean, I mean Todd. And follow Laley in the fourth, Armour Davis. Kohler, it's my number one punter, Jordan Stepp, Isaiah Likely, DeMar uh, Pepe Williams, Tyler Bay. Only thing I had an issue with, guys, and I brought this up on day three, I would have found a way to get Calvin Austin the third. I mean, if you're letting Hollywood Brown go, they, they did yeah. not trade wide receiver. Calvin Austin the third, if I had a comp it, I would have comped him to Hollywood. And yeah. he's also a great punt returner. And he went one pick later. Uh, uh, it was one pick before the, uh, Isaiah Likely. So I think they, they they had six fourth round picks. Calvin Austin the third would have been one of my six, and, and and he went to Pittsburgh ironically, which is the last place I wanted to see him go. So again, that was that was I had a nitpick. It was that was that's kind of, that's nitpicking. But Calvin Austin the third, I'm really high one time. We we talked about him a lot. Outside of that, they nailed this draft. You know, both teams had all these picks, and Todd, I'm thinking about the, the Jets as you recount all their selections. Can you imagine now if they had traded for Tyree Kill, they wouldn't have had the firepower to do everything that they did on right. Thursday and Friday. And sometimes these trades work out in your favor when they don't go through. Yeah, and there, there was a lot of talk about maybe they're just making a deal for Debo, and then it would have required that the 10th never pick. got close. Never got yeah, close. Exactly, exactly. I'm just saying, like, and if, had, if they had given away the 10th pick, who knows what Garrett Wilson's going to be. But I think he's going to be a great pro. And, and in addition, you get Garrett Wilson, plus you, you keep 
some additional picks that uh, that they were able to turn into players that project to be really good players, especially starting with uh, Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, let me tell you, what you were talking about receivers side, like with Tyreek, with with Adam was going, and Adam knows this. You're the you know everything's going on. The Ravens seem like they're going to add a receiver at some point. They didn't draft one, but Eric DaCosta made that point that they're going to they're going to bring in a receiver. I don't know who that receiver is that's available, yeah. but they say they're going to do something. They have Rashad Bateman's their one. They really don't have a two. They got a lot of threes, fours, fives. James Brochet. Yeah. Evan Duarte, Kylan Wallace, some young kids they like, but there's really no two. Rashad Bateman's got to be the one. It seems like, Adam, they may be, between now and training camp, uh, bringing in a veteran receiver. Well, and they, and they want to they work the middle of the field, too. That, that became very obvious. You know, with, with what they do and, and their run game, including the tight ends in it, Mark Andrews. Now you bring in Charlie Kolar, who's one of the better blockers in this class uh, at the tight end position. Isaiah Like, who's basically a slot receiver. Let's face it, he's you know, a marginal blocker, but but he he can get open and make plays down the field, um, down the scene. So I think the middle of the field is where, where Baltimore's going to have to win. But they still have the tight end power to do that. And I guess you would want to add another wide receiver, but they are deep at the tight end position, correct? I mean, in addition to uh, Mark Andrews and Charlie Collar, am I saying they're at Charlie Collar, right? They Patrick, Patrick Ricard, they brought back who's kind of that H back. They do they move him all over the place. He's a great blocker. Can, yeah, so now they have four four tight ends that they can rotate in and out and, and use some in two of them in line, two of them flexed up. And Nick Boyle and Josh Oliver. Yes. Boyle Boyle really last year out of had the injury he came back from. You know, they're just loaded at that spot. And like Todd said, this is an offense tight end, H back, move tight end center. Right. They're going to run the ball. The question that we have is: We know Gus Edwards is coming back. Tyler Beatty's going to have a shot, but what what can do? What's the going to be the status of J.K. Dobbins off that significant injury? How much of a factor this year will J.K. Dobbins be? We'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, this is a team now that they have the anchor it up on the offensive line. Can Ronnie Stanley come back and be the left tackle all year mm-hmm. after the injuries he's gone through? So, uh, still some concerns. Right now, though, guys, this, the a, and I'm not going to be a home here. The AFC North is all about the Cincinnati Bengals. That offensive line, what they did with the defense, yep. they solidified areas that they were really good last year, and you never they're, go back. They're better now. They should be really good again next year. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Were there any draft losers in your mind? I hate that because we never really know. There were people back in 2012 who said Seattle was a loser and they drafted Bobby Wagner, and they drafted Russell right. Wilson, and they were far from being losers. But is there anybody that missed the mark in a round or over the weekend that stands out to either one of you? I thought the Patriots drafted players they could have got later. That doesn't mean they're going to be losers. Like They bring in Cole Strange with, the, I think, the 29th pick after they had moved back. So they had some, some capital if they wanted to go different spot at 29 and then move up in the second round to secure uh, – uh, Cole Strange. Cole Strange, like, listen, Belichick's going to be 78 years old and Cole Strange is still going to be a starting guard, is my guess, right? right. So it, it's going to work out in the end. But I, I thought Strange was a strange pick in the first round. And Tyquan Thornton 
was a little bit of a reach in the second. Now, he, he would have gone in the third. He's And again, he's he's a vertical receiver, tall, long. I think he ran the fastest 40 time of all the wide receivers in this class. So they needed that. Now you've got a vertical weapon to kind of loosen things up for Mac Jones. But if you if you just took those players around later and got someone else at 29, it would have made a lot more sense. Mill? Yeah, and I, I, the zip and zappy. I want to see how he fits in because he's incredibly smart. We know that. Mac Jones is incredibly smart. That's going to be the – the most intelligent quarterback room, maybe in the history of pro football, to go. You, know, you got Brady, and now you got Zappy with Mac Jones. I mean, these guys are offensive coordinators waiting to happen in the NFL. Um, I'm with Todd. I, I like the players. I think that's the thing. We we always lose sight of. You hate the no. You like Cole Strange. You'd have loved them in the second round. You'd have loved Tyquan Thornton in the third. Or like Tyquan Thornton. I love them. You like them, Todd, in the third round. Marcus Jones, Shaq Jones, around higher than I thought. Pierre Strong, I liked in the fourth. Then you got Zappy. I, I don't know. Is Zappy going to be a Drew Brees type? I bring up that because of the height and the way he's so smart, he's accurate. It, you know, there's some times where he could be a little more precise because in that offense, there were guys wide open. There was sometimes there was a ball a little off the target. I, I noticed a couple times watching him, but Zappy's an interesting guy. And then he got some guys late. But to Dallas's point, I mean, I gave Dallas a C plus as well. I don't have a problem at all with Todd. people on the internet saying I hated Tyler Smith. I say it's a penalty waiting to happen. He was what he had sixteen penalties, Todd. In, in yeah. Tulsa. I mean, the way he uses his hand, he's got to clean that up. But I said all along, this is where you know, the internet, as you know, Adam and Todd, they're they're all faced with a lot of things they say. But they're saying I hated Tyler Smith and Tyler Smith. I said his his deficiencies are correctable. But Joe Philbin's the offensive line coach in Dallas. He he will coach that and correct that. Mm. Tyler. Could be a heck of a right tackle. So all these people on the internet, you got it wrong on that. Well, he was going in the first round regardless. Yeah, exactly. Then Sam, I see we were on different sides of the question. Sam Williams to me is a one-trick opponent. He, he's a he's a pass rusher. He comes flying off. He doesn't play the run. So I, second round was a little rich for me on Sam. I get what you're saying, Todd. Situational pass rusher, fine. But yeah, Jalen Tolbert's not a bad third. Jake Ferguson's more of a backup tight end to Dalton Schultz. That's fine. I like Matt Willett's going to Ron Bland, or the corner out of uh, Fresno State. And they took Damone Clark. And Damone Clark would have been, in my opinion, a late one, early to mid two, had he not been injured or, or they found that injury. Uh, kid flew around the field making plays. He showed a little bit better read-react skills this year than he had. He was one of the leading tacklers. He's got great speed. They have to redshirt him, obviously. Hopefully he reverts back to his old form. You like John Ridgeway. I did as well. The transfer came to Arkansas. He's a guy who can be a force in the middle. And Harper will be a great special teamer. So these teams that we gave C play, they got good, some good players potentially. Some of them were maybe a little bit higher in terms of a, where they should have taken than they did. But at the end of the day, it's about getting good players. Nobody's going to care in two, three years what round these guys went in. They're only going to care about what kind of players they are. I always tell these kids, there's no round on your helmet or your jersey yeah. when you get to camp. Nobody says UFA when you get to camp. Some of those UFAs will be beating out these fifth and sixth round picks. And, and the coaches and organizations usually get a pretty good idea that right away it starts showing up in minicamp and yep. then it continues on in training camp. And then we know whether or not they hit or whether they didn't hit. We'll get an idea then. You brought up quarterbacks. And I love to ask you guys this question every year in this spot, in this podcast. Give me the quarterbacks we're watching for the 2023 draft in Kansas City. And I can't wait to get back to that draft in Kansas City in 2023. Who we got atop the board in the quarterback rankings? Uh, Bryce Young, it starts with, for me, Alabama and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I, I think they could be one, too. Even Will Anderson, Young, Young's teammate at Alabama, 
Um, he could be the first overall pick if it's a team that doesn't need a quarterback picking at number one. Let's say Jacksonville uh, winds up back there, just just throwing it out there. But for a third straight pick, year, <laughs> yeah, I know for three straight years. But but um, yeah, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I'm interested to see do they ne- take that next step this next season. And, and all things point toward that being the case. Uh, Will Levis is another guy. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is another name to, to mention. It's it's shaping up, and we don't every year there's a guy or two that comes from you know mid round. Ken, Kenny Pickett last year, everyone was saying third to fifth round had he come out a year ago, right? Probably fourth, fifth, and now he's he's the first quarterback off the board at twenty. So every year there's there's one or two quarterbacks that kind of that have that big breakout year that come come out of nowhere. So we'll see, but it looks a lot like twenty twenty three is going to have a similar situation we saw a year ago, 2021, with five quarterbacks coming off the board in the top 15, starting with Trevor Lawrence, number one to Jacksonville, and then finishing with Mac Jones, number 15 to the New England Patriots. It's an easy top 10, Adam. It's an easy top 10 list to do this year. Usually we're stretching it to get to 10. This year it's an easy 10, Todd. You you hit on the big names at the top. Uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida is a talented kid. Wow, is he talented. Uh, if he can become consistent throwing the football, you're going to be talking a lot about Anthony Richardson as well. We will. And then you mentioned Cam Rising at Utah. You mentioned we'll see what Spencer Rattler does at South Carolina this year. We'll see what Keaton Slovis does at Pitt. Okay. We'll fold Jerkovic up at Boston College. you got Jaron Hall at BYU, Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, Talia Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa at Maryland, who is going to throw it all over the yard. Uh, you know, for uh, for Loxley down there. Uh, and then you got Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, formerly Virginia Tech, who's a, a quarterback who had, I thought had a good year. And then Tanner McKee at Stanford. You know, David Shaw, yeah, look where Davis Mills is right now. He's a former third-round pick. He's considered the future of the Houston Texans. And, and here's a, you know, a guy like uh, Tanner McKee coming along with 6'5", with an NFL arm. So right there, you're talking about, what's that, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I'm like 13, 14 deep at quarterback right now with guys that are certainly worth watching very closely. Some may go back, but if those guys come out, next year is going to be the year of the quarterback. Well, some will go back, Mel, but some will come up. And of that 13 and 14, I'll bet you there's a couple of names you didn't even list they're going to surface square into the conversation because it happens every single year. But the point is that we're going to be headed into one of the great quarterback drafts in 2023, it seems like right now. Yeah, but what if you had 10 first-round quarterbacks? <laughs> Come on, Mel. Don't get carried away. I don't like it. Hey, what did we have back in 83? Six it was a six and 83, six. right? It was, it was, it was. Tony Eason, Todd Blackledge, Ken O'Brien, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, John Elway. That's six, right? Good, good job, Adam. You got some right. And the, the bookends were John Elway and Dan Marino. And in between, you had Jim Kelly. So, yeah, you got a Hall of Fame or Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask you guys this, and I'll go to Todd on it. Todd, if I set the over-under for quarterbacks in the first round for next year in 2023, if I set the over-under at six and a half, what would you do? I'd go under. If I had to guess a number, I would guess five. Okay. Mel, what do you got? Over under or what, what do you got, Mel? How many, how many do you say? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm a gambler, so I'll take over six and a half. So you think seven quarterbacks should go in the first round next year? Well, let me just let me just go. We got Bryce Young guaranteed, right? Yep. CJ Stroud, guaranteed. Okay. So we got two out of the way. Anthony Richardson, Florida, super talented, gifted quarterback. Okay. Then you go to Tyler Van Dyke. Talented kid, can throw it, big, you know, physically imposing quarterback. Tanner McKee, Stanford, another kid. Cam Rising, Utah. Will Levish that has a rocket arm. has got to be a little more consistent with accuracy. Then you go to 
We were talking last year, Todd, in your in your in your uh, look ahead to the draft. Spencer Rattler was way up there, right? Yeah, yeah. Spencer, yeah. Spencer Rattler now is in South Carolina. What does he do there? Does he reemerge as a top guy, or is he leveled off and he's not as good as we thought he would be? Keaton Slovis, Todd, we thought at USC he was going to be the next Sam Darnold and maybe be a high pick. Now he's at Pitt taking over for Kenny Pickett. What is he? Fulcher Kovic at BC, formerly of Notre Dame. Nice quarterback. Talia Tungavailoa. Is he like his brother, or is he just a little bit down from that? We'll see. Had a heck of a year last year for Maryland for, for Mike Loxley. And then you go to Hendon Hooker, and you go to Grayson McCall, and Jaron Hall. from. B- There's a lot of guys. I'm just saying, if you just take the top two, three, and you go to Levis, four, five, I mean, you can get the seven. There's, there's, a, there's a path to seven. So I'll take over six and a half. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot. That'll be a fun draft. Uh, oh, my God. And, and by the way, you listed the names. And again, like I said, someone's going to merge that we're not even expecting. And so right. that six and a half might be a low number. Well, and, and Shefty, too, don't forget, we had teams factoring that into this, this year's equation. Like the Eagles, Howie Rosen might, might not tell you this, but I'm, I'm sure if you gave him true serum, the reason he wanted to get rid of the, one of the ones this year, one of the reasons, obviously he didn't want to carry three first-round uh, contracts, but was to get an additional one next year in case Jalen Hurts didn't take that next step. Now he's got an additional veteran receiver. He's got some weapons. The defense should be better. Same thing with, with uh, Tua, talking about Iloa. You know, they get that extra one next year, so they're in position to maybe move up and go get that quarterback. The Giants, I had heard, uh, you probably know better than us, Shefty, but I had heard that you know they were set on picking in number five, but were willing to move out at number seven to try to get a first round pick next year. Didn't pick up Daniel Jones, fifth year option, right? And try, try to get in position where they could get up and, and get one of those guys at the top of the draft. So teams were factoring this in to their decisions pre and during the draft. It, there's no question about it. quarterbacks always drive things. And after a down year this year, a very down year, as down year of quarterbacks as we've had in recent memory. I don't believe that that's going to be the case next year, certainly not by what you guys are saying. And it sounds like we're going to have our run of quarterbacks. So, all right. So now the draft is over. We're in early May. I want to know what Mel and Todd have on their schedules for the next couple of months here. I know it's downtime, but what do we do during our free time? I have, I have plenty of chores around the house. Let's start with that. <laughs> I mean, I got, to, I got to clean out a clogged drain in the, in the backyard. I've got light bulbs that have gone out. I mean, I'll get all sorts of stuff. I usually take this week off to kind of get, get my life back in order, check to make sure everything's all right, like, like checking and savings account. I know Kuiper doesn't have to do that. He's, he's got Kim, a wonderful banker, an accountant for him. Um, just downtime, spend time with the kids, relax. And then about a week from now, I'll start in on, on next year's class. I've got to do the way too early mock draft that Kuiper's <laughs> just fiending to get his hands on for Thursday. That's Thursday's chore. Do some TV then, and then I'll, I'll shut it down for about five, six days, and then then start it on the 2023. I like to get as much done before July as I can on the up, upcoming draft. I would like to get the first hundred or so players done so that I can shut it down completely, Nantucket style, in, in July, and throw out my phone, no responsibilities. And this week, though, it's, it's about getting good food, too. Well, Big well, time. Like what? Nautilus. I'm, my first dinner tonight is going to be Nautilus on Nantucket. They have the it's the best duck I've ever had. It comes with like lettuce wraps and rice and, and all sorts of hoisin sauce. And 
It's amazing. It's the best meal I, I think I've ever had. And I'm going to, I'm going to stuff my face with it tonight around eight o'clock. I would ask Mel what he's stuffing his face with, but I think we know the answer to that, right? Yeah. Pumpkin pie and crab cakes, right? That'll be the, so the summer <laughs> that, at, at the Narrows, which is right here on Ken Island. I'm on the island. That's where, you know, Ken Island looking out for the bay here. But uh, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to next year. But I think what Todd said is this is the time where you can evaluate those players. We may have a running back. I'm not running backs in the first round, but you got to evaluate them on town. Bijan Robinson in Texas is a heck of a running back. You know, Clark Phillips, the second at Utah is another corner. Everybody's going to have their eyes on Eli Ricks, the corner at LSU coming from, excuse me, at Alabama coming from LSU and Jameer Gibbs, the running back coming from Georgia Tech to Alabama. They're beautiful, Kiefer. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Jermaine Burton coming from Georgia to Alabama, the receiver. Alabama's got Ricks, you know, Burton and Gibbs, three big time transfers coming in. They hit with Jamison Williams. What do they do there? And then Jalen Carter, Todd even said he, he could be as good as the guys that went in the first round at Georgia. Great defensive lineman had a heck of a year. And Jackson Smith and Jigba. Think about this, guys. I heard, I saw Garrett Wilson, I saw Chris Olave and Smith and Jigba sitting there being interviewed. I think it was a college game that Kirk Herbstreit, I think, was doing it. And they were talking about who's the most talented. And they all said Jackson Smith and Jigba is the most talented. Wilson said it and Olave said it. So, you know, he's going to go very high. So, Todd, you got your way too early mock draft coming out Thursday. All eyes will be on it. I'll be looking at it, but I just gave you a little head start. Give you a little cheat sheet, Todd. You take advantage of that, pal. I appreciate it, buddy. You're always looking out for me. It sounds like we've got the rankings done for the class of 2023. Todd, I don't even think you have to hurry back in July. We've got the quarterbacks situated and ready. We've got some other top prospects and running backs. At Take the rest of July off, Todd. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? No need. <laughs> and, and and if anyone asks why, I'll say because Schefter said I had it. <laughs> how was uh, how was graduation? I walked I walked out of the graduation ceremony. And who was the who was the first guy that I saw when I walked out of the big house? Harbaugh. Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, really? Talk about a guy who had a great weekend. Going oh, number my. two in the draft, your hometown team on Thursday, graduating from Michigan on Saturday. Unbelievable. That's awesome. All right, guys. All right, thanks fellas. again. Appreciate it. Perfect, pal. And there are the great ESPN draft analysts, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, talking about their experiences and their observations from draft weekend. My observations were a little bit different. For the first time in 32 years, I did not attend the NFL draft and cover it. Instead, I was at my son's graduation from the University of Michigan. His first commencement ceremony occurred Thursday night, 6 p.m. Eastern to 8 o'clock right when the draft was starting. The next one was Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to noon. And there were some incredible things about the entire weekend that are worth mentioning here. Number one, the commencement address that Maria Shriver delivered on Saturday morning is one of the great commencement speeches I've ever heard. She published the text to it as well as the video to it at Maria Shriver's SundayPaper.com. Maria Shriver's SundayPaper.com. Highly recommend, especially if you like messages from commencement addresses, going back and looking at it. It was 20 minutes of great insight, relatable, likable, just tremendous. Really, really welcome that. And of course, there were my own personal observations of this draft weekend. And I guess we start with the fact that if we go back to last September, was doing an interview with HBO's Real Sports, the reporter John Frankel, tremendous reporter, and like myself, he also married a 9-11 widow who had a son who is in our son's year at Michigan, also 
an econ major. So Thursday night, we go to the first of the two commencement ceremonies, one Thursday night, six to eight, the start of the NFL draft, the other Saturday morning. And we're watching our son with great pride graduate from this great institution. And I noticed that we're on one side of Chrysler Arena where they play the basketball games. And so that when they are going to accept their diplomas, our son will be walking across the stage and his back will be to us. And so I decide to run down to the other side of Chrysler Arena to make sure that I can get a picture of him getting his diploma head on. So I run across the arena. I go down to the bottom row. I sit down and there's one person sitting next to me with his phone out, taking pictures of the graduates as they're coming our way. And it happened to be none other than John Frankel, the man himself, the man who we discussed our situations, the similarity of them. We both married 9-11 widows who both had sons, who both went to Michigan, who both became econ majors, who graduated the same night. And in fact, his son and our son accepted their diplomas about 15 people apart on Thursday night. And then on Saturday, when I get to the football stadium, the big house for the second commencement address, and I look next to me, who's sitting there just a few seats away, John Frankel. And then when I go to the men's room, I'm standing at the stall. Who's standing next to me? John Frankel. So it was as if it was meant to be that we would be attached with the same circumstances. And oh, by the way, I should add that his son has a job waiting for him at the same company that my son will be doing an internship at this summer. So the oddities and strangeness of this entire situation continues to go on. John is married to a woman who was married to my college fraternity brother, who also passed away on 9-11, the great Greg Richards. May he rest in peace. So a lot of strange circumstances, and it felt fitting in some small way that our paths, as connected as they are, as similar as they are, came together again Thursday night at Chrysler Arena, Saturday morning at the big house, Saturday morning at the stall, and then watching our sons go through all that they did to overcome the loss of their fathers at the age of one years old to go on to graduate from the University of Michigan. So bravo to Devin and bravo to the son of Aaron and John Frankel. Well done. I applaud you all. You have my great respect and will always be rooting for those great young men. The other cool part of the draft weekend or the graduation weekend, whichever one we want to call it, is this. Thursday night, we're out to dinner post-graduation, get a call that A.J. Brown is being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, I had wind that that trade could be coming down a day before. It came to fruition during our graduation dinner. And so midway through celebrating our son, I walked outside the restaurant and was pacing along the sidewalk, all wound up, trying to get confirmation that the trade was in place, that it was happening, that A.J. Brown was going to sign this massive new contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. Finally get confirmation. And we had talked about with ESPN, the idea that I could always pop on if there were a big story. And to me, that was a big story, A.J. Brown getting traded to Philadelphia. And so ESPN Transmission was trying to call me. And they were trying to call me as the Michigan basketball coach, Juwan Howard, and his assistant coaches, Phil Martelli, the former Temple coach, who's a huge Philadelphia Eagles sports fan, and Howard Isley, and some of the basketball players like Hunter Dickinson, come outside. And so they're all around me as ESPN Transmission was calling me. And so 
I had no Wi-Fi in the area, weirdly enough, and they could not connect. We tried connecting, and I was very disappointed we couldn't connect just to make a brief appearance on the NFL Draft Show on Thursday night because I would have had, rather than having Chris Mortensen at my side, I would have had Juwan Howard and Hunter Dickinson and some of the Michigan basketball team at my side delivering the news that the Philadelphia Eagles had just pulled off a major trade to acquire A.J. Brown and sign him to the massive new contract extension that they did. Alas, we could not connect. I'm not very technologically savvy, as my producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott know. And so the idea of a live shot, which would have been on the Ann Arbor campus, which would have been with the Michigan basketball team, went out the window, and the broadcast, the draft broadcast, just went on without me, which was no big deal, all good there. But, man, that would have been a fun live shot to do from Ann Arbor. Oh, well. All right, I want to thank our guest today, the great Mel Kuyper Jr., the great Todd McShay. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this post-draft podcast. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to yet another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back with more interviews, inside information. And until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.